Hello and welcome to episode 82 of The Brand Lounge, where every Thursday we feature insightful brand stories to showcase the hundreds of ways that businesses are started, the ups and downs of being an entrepreneur, and to encourage you to build your business your way. I'm Tammy Heels, your host and founder of Shadowcat Creative, where I'm a personal brand and marketing consultant. And today I'm joined once again by Georgia Kay, who is a website designer and content strategist for modern entrepreneurs. Welcome back to the show, Georgia. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here again. <laughs> it was lots of fun last time. <laughs> I had a blast. I think that that was one of my, wow, they're all my favorites. I don't have favorites, listeners. They're all my favorites. Um, if you missed the last episode, though, Georgia and I explored how to talk about your services and a whole bunch of other things all around services and self-doubt and overcoming imposter and just being generally badass business business owners. So there's loads of great tips in that episode. Be sure to pop that one on the playlist if you missed it last week. No, earlier this week. But today, Georgia, we're talking about you and your business. So I would love to kick off by finding out what it was that inspired you to become a business owner. Oh, that was that was diving right in. Uh, diving straight in. <laughs> I don't like taking directions from other people. So that's number one. <laughs> You can ask my boyfriend more about that and my mom. (laughs) No, in all seriousness, I actually, if we go a little ways back, I graduated from St. Louis University with a communications degree. And while I was there, I was a little bit of a serial internist is the best way of saying that. I did about four or five internships across a wide variety of areas of communication because I just didn't know what I wanted to do. And I had a lot of interest. So I worked for a food publication as a journalist. I worked for another magazine as a a journalist. I've worked within property development, graphic design, event management, pretty much anything that falls under communication and was able to land a job I absolutely loved within content strategy. A year down the line, it ended up being tied to a relocation to Detroit, which was not something super high on my to-do list. Um, Ended up going to a financial company and then a construction company and just kind of going through the various corporate jobs and the salary negotiations and all of that. And what I found along the way is that I started picking up these freelance projects from people I had worked with previously. Like I would leave a company and they would be like, hey, we actually still need help with this. Can we just hire you freelance? Which obviously, yes, like, hello, I'm trying to buy a house right now. (laughs) Please hire me. Um, And I just had so many interests and that weren't necessarily being fulfilled at work. Uh, Obviously there's a lot of corporate politics that goes into stuff, but you're not always doing work that feels fulfilling. You're not always working with people that you utterly adore as is life. Uh, But it became a point where I was putting in 40 hours a week for corporate America and then putting in 40 hours a week for clients that I had started gathering just on a freelance basis. And so it became this point of tension in my life where for like a year and a half, two years, I was just constantly working. Like there was no end in sight. I wasn't doing anything for fun. My boyfriend had just kind of assumed at that point I was pulling an all-nighter. And that wasn't fun and that wasn't what I wanted for my life. So I gave myself a point when I was making more than I made in corporate America freelance. That was when I was going to quit. And I I hit that, which was amazing. So I quit. (laughs) Two weeks later, COVID hit. So that was really, really fun. (laughs) Classic. Uh, But it worked out because I, I work with a lot of newer entrepreneurs. There was a lot popping up around that time. And here we are today. So I mainly prioritize web design within WordPress and show it. 
Uh, and then I also have a lot of add-on services for clients I work with, whether that's copywriting, since that is my background, uh, some social media, graphic design, email marketing, pretty much anything is fair game, but web design is my one true love. And then client-wise, I pretty much work with anyone who has higher end clients, but if I had to pick favorites, real estate agents, anyone in the home decor space, uh, interior design, those are my main cup of teas, but I really do love everyone I've worked with. I love that. I love that you have like, I wouldn't say like, a yeah, it is a preference, isn't it? You've got like industries that you prefer. And I'm assuming that's just because generally they have a certain feeling and a certain vibe to them that's just really enjoyable to work on. Um, and I love that you've incorporated that in your business after having those years where you've kind of bounced around from like different industries and different types. And I remember what it was like in corporate working for like construction focused or retail focused or finance focused. And you're just kind of like, yeah, it's fine. Like it doesn't set my soul on fire, but hey, it's it's fine, I guess. So yeah, it must be really fun to have that variety now that you didn't necessarily get in that corporate space. Yeah, I, it's definitely a big thing for me because I would get very bored at my job, which sounds terrible. I hope none of my old bosses are listening to this. Hey, I was super bored, y'all. Um, but really, you're working on the same thing day in and day out. And I'm someone who needs a little bit of variety and spice in life. So that's actually why I haven't... Um, niched down? Is that the correct pronunciation? I'm always unsure of that, uh, but I haven't necessarily niched down to a specific industry. I definitely have favorites, but really anyone who's passionate about their business, and I think it's a good fit, I'll, I'll work with for the most part. Um, but I will say the first job uh, I got while I was in college that was legitimate, not an internship, was within property development. And then I went into automotive full-time, and then I went into financial and then I went back into like home construction. So there has been a little bit of a pattern of home related things. And honestly, it's just a passion of mine. So I, you can't see it. Obviously this is a podcast, but I redid my entire office. It's dark, it's moody. It has like black crocodile wallpaper and a leopard rug. And I, I'm just always very fascinated by anything visual as a designer. So it kind of carries over into that space where when you work with a realtor, you're getting to see beautiful homes. When you work with an interior designer, you're getting to see all these beautiful aesthetics. So definitely, I think just a, a personal preference, but I just word blabbered all over that for you, Tammy. You're welcome. No, I love it. I absolutely love it. Like I draw so much inspiration from interior design and, and homes and interiors anyway, um, partly just because I feel like it's another element and another aspect of design that's just like for me it's aspirational yeah and it, I find the way that the photos are taken and the lighting and the shadows and the colors and everything and all the details it's like looking at for me being like brand design it's like looking at a full brand in a right oh so that's the best way of describing it exactly what you just said it's like looking at a full brand within the space of a room or a home absolutely yeah oh I am stealing that from you big time <laughs> that's fine we have it on record that it was mine first, oh okay so. <laughs> <laughs> no go forth use that that's fine <laughs> um so one of the things that I'd love to kind of ask a little bit more about if you're happy to share is for many, many business owners and probably many of the listeners out there who are kind of in the early stages, maybe they're doing that side hustle like you did as well alongside your full-time job. 
it can be really hard from my experience. I was always like, right, when I hit this amount of money coming in from my freelance work, I'm going to quit my job. And I never quite got there. Right. Or when I did get there, I was so worried I wouldn't hit it again that I was just like, oh, just just a couple more months. So was it like as soon as you hit that amount, you were like, right, I've done it for one month or I've done it for three months or whatever. I'm going to quit my job now or did you kind of have any more, could you share a little bit more around your thought process with that? Yeah, definitely. And I do want to say a lot of people have just straight up quit their jobs and gone for it. And it's worked out really fine. I am a cautious person. I am not a gambler. Like you put me in a casino, I'm going to the penny slots. Like that's just who I am as a person. I'm there for the free drinks. Okay. Like that's me. But I really wanted to have that security and knowing that if it didn't work out, I had money to fall back on in case I needed to look for a different job. Obviously, I'm willing to gamble on myself. I felt really confident, especially after a year and a half, two years of having that steady stream of clients. I was at a point where I felt like this isn't drying up anytime soon. And if I literally remove 40 hours from my week and dedicate it to this now instead, I know I can do a good job. I would say be realistic though, and actually talk to people in the industry that you're wanting to get into. There was definitely gray areas for me in terms of business expenses and life expenses that I wish I had had a little bit more clarity on. Obviously it worked out fine. Uh, This is different in Britain, but health insurance in America, (laughs) really fun to navigate. Uh, So finding out the cost of that after I turned 26 and got kicked off moms, (laughs) that that was an expense that I wasn't quite fully, I don't want to say prepared for because I was obviously able to manage it, but I wish I had known more about it um, because there's a lot more to business than just bringing in money. There's taxes, there's the business expenses. Um, Are you planning on outsourcing anything? What do you need to actually get set up in? As an online entrepreneur, I didn't have as many startup fees as maybe somebody in the retail space or the restaurant space would have, Uh, but being very clear and outlining those details and overestimating a little bit. Um, I did a great job of that, of overestimating how much I thought stuff would cost. It ended up costing a lot less, Uh, but actually having a game plan and investing in your business. If you're at a point where you're like, oh, I wouldn't want to invest in brand photography right now, or a lawyer seems really expensive quite honestly, you're probably not at a point to realistically have your business full-time because there are essentials that you can't really cut corners on. I think design-wise, I hate to say it, there's definitely some areas you can DIY for a little bit and get by, but the essentials in terms of maybe business insurance, contracts, legal stuff, um, getting set up legally, all I'm really repeating legal because that's a huge thing I see a lot of people skip out (laughs) on where they'll literally invest in branding and photo shoots and stuff and they don't have contracts that is weird to me. Like get that stuff together, please. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. I would also echo what you were saying there. And I think that I've said this on here before as well, where if you have a limited budget when you're starting up, the things that you should prioritize are one, how are you going to approach your finances? Like that doesn't mean that you have to hire out a bookkeeper. It doesn't mean that you have to save 20% of everything that you earn right away. Those are options that I would encourage, right. but you don't have to, but be aware of what you're going to do with your finances legal absolutely get those contracts or because they're going to save you money hassle time and everything else in the future and then when you are looking at what you else you want to invest in like genuinely if you only have a limited budget I'd probably prioritize a one-page website and brand photography shoot over full branding 
I would actually tend to agree with that because I think visuals are super important, especially depending on the industry you're in. Um, and find someone who works within your budget. There's all levels of brand photographers. And if you're just starting out, it's not ideal, you know, if your cousin is taking iPhone pics, but if that's what you've got, work with what you've got and hustle and make it happen. Um, it's that just getting started mentality where you just have to be there. But I know you mentioned too, maybe some people haven't quite hit the income they want in order to quit their job full time, or they don't have a nest egg. Um, really only you can answer that for yourself. I am of the belief that you should always have a backup plan. I know there's a lot of, uh, dreamers and aspirational people that are like, Hey, like you can make it happen if you believe in it and manifest it. I'm a little bit more of a realist. Um, I don't want to say pessimistic, but I do think that you are responsible for your own choices in life. And if you decide to start your own business and you're having trouble making ends meet, you may need to do a part-time job or you may need to look at options. Not everyone is cut out to be an entrepreneur. Uh, It was a little frustrating last year with COVID where a lot of people were like, if you stop being an entrepreneur now, then you were really never an entrepreneur. If you can't make it through the tough times, you weren't an entrepreneur. I think everyone's journey is different and you have to do what's best for you and your life and your circumstances. So I, I just like always like to think about that because not everyone is going to have the ability to save up the amount of money that you you need. And that doesn't make you a bad entrepreneur. It just means you have different circumstances and opportunities that you have to work with. And that's life in general. And that is a whole nother topic. <laughs> a really, really good point though, because I feel like I'm quite similar to you where I'm like quite cautious. I wanted to have, a buffer behind me I didn't want to just quit my job without anything and then I quit my job without anything because circumstances just made it happen so you know it's one of those things that you know work towards it but exactly like you said Georgia is like no matter the type of person that you are you're the one that has to make that decision when it feels right or when it is kind of the opportunity is there in front of you. Yeah. I mean, there were so many businesses struggling and still are struggling. And I just kind of hate to see that mentality of people that are only being a hype person and not being like, Hey, have you considered other options? Um, I I think there's definitely a trend of like this manifestation and go after what you want. And I I do think that there needs to be a little, a little dose of reality in terms of not everyone is going to be able to have those opportunities and it's not going to work for everyone and you have to be realistic. So (laughs) this is, I agree. (laughs) Yeah, I do agree. I also would say that like, just to kind of counter that slightly is like, there are plenty of businesses that are also thriving at the moment. It's not all doom and gloom. And if you do sit there and go, well, obviously I'm not cut out to be an entrepreneur and the circumstances have made it so that no one is doing well. Like that's not necessarily true. If you're the kind of person who, needs that kind of I don't know that aspirational other people can do this then so can you like COVID sucked (laughs) like the pandemic was awful but it wasn't something that you could sit there and predict for in the way that it rolled out but there will always be things that come up like personal impact personal crisis if you suddenly got ill like you were saying in the states with the medical insurance side of things I mean anything like that and over here I mean we're fortunate with the NHS but who knows what's going to happen with that in the future (laughs) politics 
But like, if you have a family member pass away, if your house gets flooded, if your laptop breaks, like you need to be able to plan for these things and not just crumble and go, oh no, I'm not good enough. But like you said, be realistic about it as well. Not a mindset too. And I think being able to pivot is very important as well. I think some people were so tied to the exact business model they had and it's always worked, but sometimes obviously no one predicted that this was going to happen, but being able to pivot and look at maybe different services or a different way of doing things is really helpful to have as an entrepreneur within a large corporation. You may have other people that are calling the shots, uh, but it really is on you as an entrepreneur, especially if you have a whole team, for instance, and people are relying on you. That's a whole nother level of stress. And I honestly really admire anyone who has had a team, which is a lot of people that they've been navigating these waters because it's stressful enough as a solopreneur and adding a lot of other people's welfare on top of that is it's admirable. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that we've talked a little bit around some of the hardships that have happened in the last year since you've been fully fledged in your business, but I'd really love to hear about any successes as well that you've had. Is there anything that's really taken you by surprise that you're just like, oh my goodness, I wasn't expecting that. Ooh, we kind of touched on this in our other episode, but I would say my designer day service was something that I had no idea it was going to take off the way I did. And it's also opened a lot of doors for me in terms of opportunities with people that I am so excited to work with that I never would have dreamed of working with type of deal. I started that as a COVID service. So basically they hire me for an entire day to do something. Usually it's web design. And what's really been happening is it's for one page websites, one to two page websites and long form sales pages, which was a much greater need than I had anticipated. There's so many course creators out there, people who have a very specific service they want to sell. So that was something that I kind of just started as a test And then it just got bigger and bigger and bigger because it was one and done. And there's entrepreneurs who aren't quite ready to outsource full creative control, but they need some help setting something up. Um, And after the first few and being able to really say, okay, they invested X, Y, Z, they made like four times that within a week because they finally have an online presence was really, really cool. Um, And I ended up getting to work by word of mouth with um, a girl that was featured in Forbes, which was absolutely amazing. I was like starstruck. Like, can I be you when I grow up? Um, <laughs> and just working with other people who are really, really well-known in their fields and experts. And for me, that was just a success because it felt validating. It felt like, okay, you're doing a good job. People are getting results from your work. Like you're really doing something. Uh, so it's actually, it's kind of funny. We're recording this now because the start of the designer day was almost a year ago and it's evolved so much. And it's actually now, something we're moving forward as of this month, I will be doing only designer days and maybe one custom website project a month because that's how much they've taken off, uh, which is kind of scary to say, uh, but also very exciting at the same time. So I would say that's my biggest success is just kind of gambling on an idea. It turned out really well, pivoting a lot, like doing lots of little little pivots here during COVID um, and it just becoming such an integral part of my business model. Yeah, that's absolutely incredible that like when you started out, I'm assuming you were expecting to maybe be doing more custom website designs, more kind of like the expected, in air quotes, the expected route that web designers are going to take, which is like, I'm going to leave and do web design because that's what I do. I'm a web designer, although I know that you do the content strategy side as well. And then to find this one service that everyone's like, this answers such a strong need. 
And it combined with like the perfect opportunity where everyone was like, hey, I've got all this time. Maybe I should start a business or, oh, God, my job has let me go. Now is my opportunity. Um, Yeah. I mean, how does it feel to compare the difference between where you're heading from now to have like these solo days to what you were expecting at the start? Uh, I mean, it's a little surprising, but honestly, I feel like my business has just changed so much since last year, like from the start of when I officially went full-time two weeks later, COVID hit. And then I was like, Oh, okay. Like my, everything I had planned is kind of changing now being able to keep pivoting and also listening to client needs and what they're actually looking for. Um, Cause there's also a lot of other things I want to do in my business to meet those demands that I'm just not quite ready to scale to yet. Um, but it's been really exciting, honestly. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a little scary, uh, but it's very exciting. And also condensing down again, we, we talked in our other episode about doing all of the things and figuring out really where your focus is and doing what feels good to you. And something I found that was interesting and kind of a surprise to me after being in corporate was that I don't really enjoy long-term projects that go on for months. I do my best creative work in sprints. And so the designer day allows me to really hone in on something for a full, like one or two days and get all my creative energy out. It's quick feedback. It's, it's very cool seeing something from start to finish and having that end result almost immediately. And that was something I didn't know I loved until I started doing it. So finding work that really works well for you. So, so important. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm really curious to know how much this has kind of changed or if it's changed, like the fundamental goals that you had for your business. Like, are you, are you a goal setter? Are you someone who went into business going, I know exactly where I want to be in five years. And then has that kind of either change completely or just accelerated because of the way that the business is adapted? Who I am a goal setter. A lot of my goals are personal and a lot of them are just related to financial freedom. Um, <laughs> to be totally transparent with you, I don't have some like lofty, like make the world a better place. Obviously I want the world to be a better place. I would love to be financially stable enough to start some type of like nonprofit or do something related to education funds. Um, I'm not quite there yet, but yeah, in terms of my main goal, when I quit corporate, it was just that I would be able to exceed the amount of income I made or at least match it. Um, so I could keep living the lifestyle I wanted. I was really fortunate to be able to buy my house really young on my own. It took a lot of sacrifice. I also live in the Midwest, which is very affordable. So I want to put that out there. Very different than if you're in California or New York, trying to buy a first time home. But a lot of my goals were just very financially independent because I don't like other people taking care of me. I like being able to make my own life decisions. Um, I'm thankful to have a partner that's very supportive of that and just kind of stays out of my way while still supporting me. Um, so that was pretty cool. But I also had a secondary interest in working within the, the home space industries. I set a goal for the beginning of this year, actually, that I really wanted to work with uh, like a luxury interior designer. I really wanted to work within like construction and I've been able to book all of those clients, which is so exciting. Like there's nothing more exciting than getting the dream client land in your DMs or in your inbox. And you're like, yes, let's make this happen. I'm so thrilled to work with you uh, because long-term something I've always been interested in is having a secondary business that's somehow related to one of those, whether it's within real estate or flipping properties or property management. I have absolutely no idea how it looks to me. <laughs> so do not ask me details, but but it's just out there. Um, and I guess a little bit of manifestation does come in here where it's something I talked about a lot and it's happening and um, it's very fun. 
Oh, that's so exciting. And I love the way it's just kind of, you just light up whenever you talk yeah. about it. The difference between what it is, it's incredible. And that's what business should feel like. It should be exciting and it should be challenging and it should be one of those things where you're just like, fast kisses on a first date where you're just like oh my goodness this is really happening because this is really exciting and I'm not quite sure what's going to happen next but I know it's going to be cool mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> I've never thought about it in that way but it's very accurate I, w- I will actually say let me add that goal in there when you said like you light up about it I will say working on things I was actually interested in that was a huge goal as well because being in corporate you have no control over the type of clients you're really working with the type of projects you're getting handed and being able to say this is what I like doing and this is what I want to do and these are the people I want to work with is super fulfilling um and time management and scheduling I haven't quite gotten all the time management down just yet because I am still in the first year and there's a lot of moving pieces as I figure out what everything looks like um but yeah, I think just like financial and time freedom were, was the number one biggest goal. And now other things are kind of getting looped into that now that they seem a little bit more attainable. And and I'm really thinking about it long, long term. Oh, that's just it's so fun, though, isn't it? It's so exciting when you're looking to the future. And it's always incredible to see how far things have come and changed in I mean it's been such a such a long time but such a short time as well because you've had that combination of running your business alongside a full-time job and then having the longest year in history yes so true (laughs) awesome so in these episodes I love talking about like digging into the the thought process behind the business but then shockingly I love talking about the branding side and the marketing side as well so um one of the questions I always ask because it's something that I know helped me up in my business and I'm sure that others out there can relate or I know that others out there can relate and it comes down to choosing a name for your business oh no yeah so let's have that conversation so your your business is your name you chose to use your name very creative and original yes it's you come on so why was it that you chose that rather than choosing like a a business name or a brand name Mm -hmm. this is actually something I really struggled with for months like before I officially formed the LLC and everything my attorney kept asking me and I was like I am still deciding on this what it came down to for me was that level of personal touch where I wasn't ready to have a team. I don't currently have a team. It is just me. And that was really the number one reasoning because I kept going back and forth and I was like, I don't want to come across as an agency. Like that wasn't my, my vibe. Um, I don't want to come across as like an all the bells and whistles type of type of business. So that was the number one reason. Also referral wise, a lot of my freelance clients just knew me as Georgia. Um, I do have a slightly unique name, not the most unique, but slightly memorable. Uh, So them being able to refer me or Google me, that name recognition was already there. And I didn't really want to taint that. Also domain availability. (laughs) We talked about that earlier, but uh, having that and already having like my LinkedIn and all my socials and everything already under that name made it a little bit easier. But yeah, I would, I would say not being a full on agency was the number one reason I just chose to go with my name, but it definitely is difficult sometimes when people are like, Oh, so you own a business. Tell me about the business. And you're like, I own 
Georgia GK LLC, like, or S Corp, whatever it is. And it's a little awkward. So I think at some point in the future, I may end up pivoting as I grow a team and get to that point, but I'm not quite there yet. So that's my name history. This was such a long conversation for me last year, though, Tammy, where I went back and forth and could not make up my mind for the longest time on this specific area. I think that it's really common. I think that it's something that a lot of us business owners battle with because you want to sound cool. Like this is like naming a child. Right. Right. Or a pet, you know. (laughs) I only have pets. I don't have kids. So, you know, it took a while to choose the names for our for our furry children. (laughs) I actually can't take credit for any of the names of our dogs. Drew, uh, my boyfriend, chose every single one and they've all been perfect. Our our littlest one, we have a palm chi and she does zoomies. She just runs really fast across the yard. We named her Ori. It's a video game character for this little tiny thing that runs really fast around the screen. And when he said it, I was like, that's so cute. And then when we watched some like clips of the video game, I was like, how did you do this? Like, so if I get to that point where it's time to name a a studio or a bigger business, I'm honestly just going to like hire him or buy him dinner and be like, please do this for me. You're obviously much better at this specific area than I am. I'm curious what your other Pomeranians are called now. (laughs) So we have Ori. She's the Palm Chi. Lots of zoomies. Very fast. She's the cutest. We have Nala. She is the, the red haired alpha she's in charge. She's also the spoiled brat who Drew ruined because he just spoils the heck out of her. Um, she's technically my dog, except she loves Drew much more than me. Ori is our love child. We adopted her together. And then we recently now have one called May. She was a foster fail. Our first foster, which ironically I got because Drew wanted to get another dog. And I said, well, we're going to get a foster. You're going to see how terrible it is having four dogs. Now she's ours permanently. So that severely backfired on me. (laughs) Um, But she's, she's our little old lady. She's about nine or 10 years old. She had a ton of medical problems when she came our way. So uh, working through that, interesting. She's such a sweetheart. And then there's Bane. Bane is the uh, original Pomeranian Drew had when we met. Bane hates me. I ruined his bachelor lifestyle. He's got major attitude RBF going on. Um, but he he's a pure, uh, all white Pomeranian and he's just such a brat. He just glares at me all day. <laughs> and he is named after the Batman villain because Batman is Drew's favorite superhero. So we have an all decked out Marvel DC Comics basement, all Drew's, Drew's planning. So my cat, one of my cats is called Arkham because I'm a Batman fan. <laughs> oh no. Okay. Well, if you ever skip across the pond, we have a Batman basement. Like we have, he has a Batman office. We have a Batman bar with like black marble, like all Amazing. everything. So it is really cool. I'm <laughs> honestly not really much of a Batman fan. I'm very excited for Robert Pattinson's Batman. But other than that, I, I, I just kind of listened to Drew talk about it. And I'm like, cool, I support you. Like, <laughs> I feel like that's my other half with me because, like, yeah, because I we've got we've got Arkham, who I named because I love Batman and I love HP Lovecraft, so it's kind of like a blend between the two. And then we have Esteban de Plantier, mm-hmm. my moggy, my other moggy. So yeah, we've got Arkham and Esteban de Plantier, and Esteban was named after a character in a Wes Anderson film. Oh, cool. Okay. So he's like the name of this character who is Bill Murray's best friend who gets eaten by a jaguar shark. So we literally have a cat who is named after someone who is eaten by a shark that's named after a cat. So, you it's know. A good fit. It's a good fit. <laughs> that's amazing. So this is how you name things. Um. <laughs> Everyone learned from this. Just ask your significant others <laughs> or look at your favorite movie. <laughs> 
I do find it interesting though because I think like there's a few things that you touched on there and one is like brand recognition and awareness and like rem- like remembering the name and making it easy for people to try and find you again particularly with the way that you built your business where it was alongside your corporate job so I'd be curious to know if you weren't building it alongside that corporate do you think that you would have named it something different because you didn't have that kind of level to it yes I actually, you're the only person who knows this now, Tammy. Um, I'm not going to reveal the name, but I do have a business name for what I would name it if I had a team and I've already bought the domain and have all the oh, stuff. Cool. So if that ever happens, I will let you know, but <laughs> I will give you a hint. It is actually somewhat related to my dogs. So <laughs> that's amazing. I hope it's like an anagram of all of their full names, like rearranged together. It does not include Bane because he is not mine. So Drew and I have tipped about that. He thinks Bane should be included. And I said, no. So we'll see. We'll see. It could change. <laughs> I will. If, if this does ever get updated, I'll add it in the show notes. Okay, <laughs> Just- amazing. FYI for people in like 2023 Georgia ended up naming her business this here's her website (laughs) I think another thing too that I just remembered is when I first started out my business I also did a lot of agency collaborations where I was subcontracting so I actually would not have gotten those opportunities had I been a legitimate like agency or business Um, that's no longer part of my business model um, and I do hope to scale sometime within the next year so we'll just have to wait and see Tammy honestly it's I'm I've got a lot of things behind the scenes happening and it just kind of depends on where the opportunities flow to so exciting though that's incredible oh I'm excited to I'm excited to check back in again because I'm sure we'll be having another episode in the future so when it comes to your branding and your brand strategy so obviously you're a creative yourself so did you do your own branding your own visual identity and strategy or I did so one of the things for my brand that people immediately notice is that it is a little bit darker and a little bit moodier because I wanted my branding to really feel like me and and with branding you also get into who's your ideal target and who's your target audience and all of that and that was something I considered for my brand of course and what I wanted to do was stand out from a lot of my competition, so to speak. There are definitely other dark and moody designers out there not trying to take claim to that at all. But a lot of people within my immediate competitive area were very light and bright. They were very airy, um, had a little bit more of like the boho vibe going on, which I love that aesthetic as well. I'm, I'm kind of an aesthetic hoe. I like all of the aesthetics pretty much. Yeah, no, I feel that. <laughs> but I do like the dark and moody. And also it was just the most natural to me. Like I was that girl in high school with the winged eyeliner and the teased hair and <laughs> wearing like graphic t-shirt. Like that was just who I was. And I've always sort of drifted that way. My office is literally what we talked about earlier. It is my brand come to life in a room. But it's interesting because a lot of the aesthetics I work on within my business aren't, aren't my brand aesthetic. Um, and so being able to very clearly differentiate myself from competition while also still having portfolio work that reflects a wide variety of aesthetics was really important to me. And there's a lot of designers who they have one aesthetic and that's really like their niche. Like they've niched into that specific area. I did not want that for my business. There's obviously a lot of design elements I use, um, lots of uh, images and visuals. I use gradients, which is like such a buzzword lately. Don't use gradients. I use gradients for web design all the time. I use a lot of just visuals. Uh, I do like darker stuff, but it's not for every brand. So when I was thinking about all of that with my business, something that kept popping up on consultation calls too was that they remembered me because I did look very different from other designers they had talked to. 
and my personality is actually a little brighter. Like you would expect me to be like, I don't know, like moody, I guess. Um, and that's just not the case. So that is all of that thinking went into my brand. I honestly don't think I would ever rebrand in a way that is too distinctly different from this. Maybe at some point I will, but for right now, like the dark and moody is really where I thrive. And I feel like I, that, that is sort of my design style personally and what I, what I like. So it's a balance of what I like, what works strategically and what uh, clients are looking for to stand out amongst the competition. I, I love that. It's like the, the holy trifecta, isn't it? The, yeah. the, the triforce that you need of the three with the strategy and making it stand out. Uh, one thing that I'd love to get your insights in and something that I didn't realize when, until I was designing my own brand was how important it was that my brand wasn't necessarily the focus of attention because when I was working as a brand designer, I needed to make sure that my brand was stand out enough so that people remembered and recognized it as me but wasn't so in your face that it overshadowed the branding work that I was doing for others when you're putting your portfolio out there yeah that's a huge thing I notice with some designers especially when they're starting out is that they're so focused on how their maybe Instagram feed looks or if their website's all consistent and I personally think it's a mistake, um, depending on your business model. Like if you really do prioritize one area of design, like that's your cup of tea, that's what you specialize in. Definitely you want everything to be consistent. There's tons of projects that have never made it into my portfolio. I loved them, but they also weren't projects I wanted to attract in the future. So I think it really comes down to what do you want to attract likewise for clients in the future? And then what's fair to your client as well, because I also don't want to make a graphic or a promo or a case study that does not represent their brand well. Like if I'm working with somebody with really bright colors, I'm not going to then go into my portfolio and like mute out all the colors just to make it match my aesthetic. You do have to put the client in the strategy first. Um, This is interesting because I had a similar conversation actually recently with a brand photographer where she does custom editing for all of her clients, but it makes it a little bit hard on the aesthetic side of things to manage her Instagram feed because everything does look different. But that's her main selling point is that she's not making pictures to look good on her Instagram feed. She's making pictures to look good for your personal brand. And I, I think it comes down to the same thing for branding and web design. You don't want everything to look identical. I, I think we have all seen designers where everything they put out, you can tell they did it, but that's not always a good thing because it looks like a replica of something they just did. And that's something I definitely want to avoid in my business personally. Yeah, no, I totally understand that. And it's such a fine balance, isn't it? And it, it's wonderful that it's something because I feel like it was a lesson that took me ages to learn in business because you do see these designers who are so no, well known for one specific style. And I like to think that I'm actually really flexible. Like I can do quite dainty, timeless designs. Like, and then you can also do these bold, brash, colorful things. And it's trying to find a way of maintaining that consistency. But I think you've summed it up perfectly where it's like, it's not about your, it's not about you. It's never about you, is it? It's about, it's about kind of your clients and what they need to see and the reassurances that they need. And I don't think that there's a right or wrong way of doing it. It's just trying it and seeing what works. Yeah. I think it always comes down to what works for you and what your clients really need as a solution. Again, there's designers who specialize in maybe one industry and stuff tends to look the same or stuff tends to look very different. And I I just find it personally interesting. And it's also just a growth thing as you design and you get more familiar with different trends and different things people are looking for. You just have to learn it for yourself. But I will say whenever I work within industries that are similar, especially home decor, I don't want them to put their website up to another one that I made 
and be able to spot a million similarities because it's like they could actually be competitors. And I have worked with clients before who were competitors of other clients of mine, which is another sticky spot. I actually always reach out to my prior client and give them a heads up. Um, Obviously, I'm still going to take on the client. I, I don't have anything like that in my contract that would refrain from that, but I want everyone to feel respected in that something I did for their project or information I learned during their project isn't being shared with another client in the same space. Yeah, that's such a tricky thing, isn't it? Because it's like um, non-compete clauses because corporates have that when, I don't know if it's the same in the States, but it probably is. Whereas over here, if you're leaving a corporate role and going to a competitor, you have a certain amount of leave away from, yeah, gardening leave away from both. It's tricky. I'm curious if this has ever happened to you, but have you had clients who will send you work that you've done, like work you've done, not another designer, and they want you to copy it almost exactly. And it's that's always a fun conversation to be like, hey, I can do something similar, but that client paid me for that. And we don't want you to look like a, a copy that's not fair to anyone. One. that's always an interesting conversation to have I've had one where they've sent me like after I sent off the initial concepts they come back and they're like oh no no we saw this on your portfolio and this is much more what we were hoping for and it's kind of like well their strategy is completely different to yours and I think that that's where the distinction came for me was making sure and like now that I've moved much more into the strategy side rather than kind of the visual side, although there was strategy in both, I think that it's a real misconception that when you're designing something, it is just the visuals. Yeah. And I mean, you've talked about the strategy so much as well, which is wonderful to hear. And it's one of those things where it's like the strategy is what differentiates you from someone who does the exact same thing as you for the same audience and the same clients. But your strategy and the way you talk to them and the way you present yourself and your goals are going to impact how you look completely. Yeah. Understanding the difference between just the visual aesthetics and the actual strategy that goes behind it. I feel like that's a big misconception in general with some of some of the public um, who haven't invested in a designer before, they don't really understand the industry. And they may be like, hey, why is there such a high price tag on this? And it's because you're truly getting custom. Like somebody is looking at your business specifically and digging into your target audience and your prior social media analytics and really getting to know your business and how to set you apart. And that's really the biggest difference between the DIY and the custom is you're hiring a professional who's not just looking at the aesthetics, but they're thinking long-term for you. Um, this is always interesting with branding or when I ask for like inspiration for a website, for instance, or we're going through different functionality for the website. It's interesting tying someone's personal preferences with what they're envisioning for their brand, because those aren't always aligned. Like within my brand, my dark and moody works for me, which thankfully is also an aesthetic I really like. Um, but say I was targeting like the education space, or maybe I was targeting, um, I don't even know, like pet food shops. I, I'm just like, trying to think of something like really out there. <laughs> like, um, yeah, candy shop, like exactly my, my aesthetic wouldn't be a good match for them. Um, or if I was building a project like that, um, I recently worked with a brand that was, uh, event planning and she does balloon installation. So Haley, hi, if you're listening to this amazing project, she was awesome to work with and such a sweetheart, but all of her colors were brighter and we had really bright visuals and photography. And she was really aiming for that younger mom who likes to DIY stuff and throw these lavish events. My personal branding would not have been a good match for that because that's not what that audience is looking for. And so I think being able to speak really clearly to your client while also being educational, because you never want to be like, Hey, you're wrong. We're doing it my way. You have to find that, that nice balance 
And sometimes you also have a client who is really just gung-ho for something and you have to know when to either cut ties on the project or find a compromise while still doing your best work as a designer. I definitely have projects that went in a direction I didn't think was strategic enough for their brand and they just don't show up in my portfolio, which kind of sucks. But you are at the end of the day, you're doing something as a solution for your client and you have to try and lead them to the best solution as closely as possible. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, yeah, I mean, there's not really much else that I'm going to add to that because I feel like you've summed it all up perfectly. The only question that I have for you when it comes to the whole DIY and strategy, and this is a little bit of a curveball and I hope you don't mind. So I'm ready. <laughs> you obviously you DIY your own website because and your branding because that's what you do. So did you go through the whole strategy process like you were a client or did you kind of skim over the top? <laughs> no, I, I am very impressed by people who have done this for themselves. Like they've really dug in. That's amazing. I have a process in place for clients who this is their first dive into it. They have absolutely no knowledge of the industry. They need a lot of handholding. And I don't say that in a bad way. It's just, I want to make sure that they feel taken care of and what they've invested in, they're getting the best process for. Because with a website, branding is still very important. Like branding does not get ignored. Um, I actually just within the past year now have a clause that if you don't have branding, we can't work together on your website. Like you either need to get the bare, the bare basics or you need to go through the branding process because it is so essential. Like if I don't know what fonts to use on your website and what colors, that's going to be really hard to just make up. I can do it, but it won't be as strategic as it should be. And at the level of service I'm wanting to provide, uh, but for myself, no, <laughs> And I, I don't want to say it's common, but I will say most of the other designers I have chatted with made it up themselves and didn't necessarily go through the entire process for themselves. However, I I don't think it's necessarily a bad idea to do that. Maybe, maybe give yourself a little bit more of a foundation. I actually decided to invest in a copywriter because I felt too close to my own copy. It's something I offer to other clients, but I really just wanted to take myself out of the equation and have another mind in there. Uh, So going through that process was really interesting and seeing how she ran her process and how she spoke to my past clients to get a better feel for who I was as a business owner and my services. It was really, it was kind of fun, honestly, because you're always on the other side of it. And when you hire someone to do that for you or some element of it, it's, it's kind of, I don't know, like an adventure, like you're, you're spying on them in a way, but in the best way possible. And they know. (laughs) Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think that there's a lot of fear around other creatives or I feel like there's a little bit of a, I don't know, I don't know how to put it. Like you expect judgment as a creative, if you hire other creatives to help you with your creative business, when actually like you're usually too close. I've worked with a copywriter on my business before, because it's just been like, I can't, I literally cannot articulate myself. Like I articulate for my clients. Yeah. And I, I, I get on one side, like as a web designer, I would never hire another web designer to do my website. Like that to me is just kind of a little questionable. I do know people who have done it. So it's interesting (laughs) to say the least. Uh, But when it comes to other elements of your business, like if you need help with email marketing or you need help with maybe some design because you're just so booked out that you're now backburnering your own business, a big reason people book the designer day is because they don't have time. Like time is money. Um, So within your own business, I think as entrepreneurs, we sometimes can get in this mindset of everything's for the client and you forget about your own business and taking care of your own business, or you feel burned out because you're doing this for clients and you don't want to do it for yourself at the end of the day. 
yeah, just so many different variables, honestly. Um, but I love that you asked that question. I don't think anyone's actually ever asked me that before of, did you follow the process? <laughs> I will say for my website design, I'm currently redoing my website. I am following my own process exactly because it's a good process. <laughs> that sounds so conceited. No, you're fucking say it. Take that truck. <laughs> but I want to make sure I don't lose anything or let anything slip through the cracks. So I am following my exact process for that. But no, when I started, I made that up as I went. <laughs> I, there was strategy behind it, but I wasn't sitting there filling out a questionnaire, going through strategy calls for myself. I feel like because this is kind of, this is, this is our jam. This is what we do. A lot of it is almost, you make the decisions because you know the strategic way to make that decision. So you don't have to go through quite as much of the steps. Yeah. It's kind of like a client coming back to you that you've worked with before. If you've worked with brand strategy and they need maybe a PDF, you don't necessarily have to start that entire process over. Whereas if it's brand new, you're probably going to have to. Yeah. Yeah. I've tried to do it in my business and it's just been, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't fun. (laughs) And it should be fun. This is the whole point, isn't it? Business should be fun. So the last question I have around kind of your branding and your marketing and your business is, so everyone loves to know how everyone else markets their business. What has been either your most effective or your favorite way of marketing and growing your business? I would have to say Instagram stories specifically as I'm completing a process. So Custom web design is almost always referral from another another client that I worked with, especially within the real estate space. A lot of realtors know each other um, and the real estate website space is very small because it is a very custom like niche knowledge area. A lot of that's referral, but in terms of cold leads coming in like through uh, Google or I guess kind of warm leads, if they've seen me on Instagram stories, hundred percent, literally showing the process start to finish and showing what you get at the end of it has been huge for me. And it's also not something where I have to necessarily show my face. I literally will just sit there and record my screen. And I think getting over the idea that everything has to be absolutely branded and aesthetically perfect was really big for me as well, because there was a time where I wouldn't post something unless I thought it really matched my feed or it had my logo on it or something like that. And in reality, messy action is better than no action. And I found that just straight up taking a screen, a screen video recording of my computer as I'm working on stuff has been amazing because it opens the conversation for people to slide into the DM and be like, oh, like my business needs that. Or like, oh, like you're, you're making this specific area on this site. I've never thought about it that way. Uh, I, I would say that's been the biggest thing for me. Obviously, I, I do have plans to have a little bit more of a set social media strategy with some more consistent posting. Um, I'm trying to make more space to work on my business. Uh, but that one definitely has been has been huge for me. That's wonderful. And it's it's something it's really interesting to hear you talking about not just Instagram as a whole, but one of the specific features that you found, which I think is so important to recognize that different platforms have different ways that you can use them. And it's it's finding that thing that works for you. Yeah, granted, I can probably test out a few other ones and be more consistent in them. But I think you also strike a balance of, you know, how booked out are you? How many projects do you want to take on? Because it doesn't make sense to continually market and try to sell a service if you can't actually take clients on at that specific time. So finding that balance has been interesting as well. Where can listeners find more of you online? We were talking about Instagram. So Instagram, I am georgia.g.kaye. Same thing for TikTok. Uh, I do have a Facebook page. 
don't really hang out there that much, to be honest with you. Or you can check out my website at georgiagk.com. Perfect. Thank you so, so much for joining me again to Georgia. I really enjoyed it. It's been wonderful to hear about your business. Yes, I'm so glad we connected. <laughs> As always, I'll pop all of the links in the show notes. So if you'd like to see more of Georgia and her work, her behind the scenes that she's sharing on Instagram stories, you can find all of the details there. And listeners, if you are enjoying the podcast, can I ask that you tell just one other person about the Brown Lounge? Maybe recommending your favorite episode, maybe this one, maybe the one before. We've covered so much good stuff in all of these episodes that it really does help us to grow the podcast whilst helping you to grow your business. So we'll keep bringing you episodes. If you can keep referring us, that would be wonderful. And until next time, head over to our Instagram and Facebook community with the links in the show notes where we can continue these conversations in the Brand Lounge.